This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. And welcome to your Wednesday version of Bulls Beat. You'll hear plenty of Jeff Scott along with couple of student athletes, namely Brad Cecil and Jatorian Hansford, all spoke during a press conference on Tuesday. We have the exclusive streaming live of the Jeff Scott portion, and as I put out on Twitter, you'd hear some good audio from the players, and that is definitely going to be the case. We'll have them in our second block. Also in our second block, we'll tell you how golf wound up at its events, respectively for the men in Wisconsin and the women in Nolens, and we've been hinting at a little bit of broadcasting news, and hey, right before the show, it became official, so we will tell you about that here shortly. Also wanted to make sure this is on your calendar, and you think I'm going to tell you about tonight's football radio show. Well, of course we're going to get there, but yeah, it's going to be for you basketball fans, and honestly, I did not know this was coming, so I'm pretty pumped about it myself. We'll be there for sure. The USF Basketball Tip-Off Luncheon. It'll be October the 20th, so Roughly a month away from 11.30 to 1 at Julian B. Lane Riverfront Park, Tampa River Center. I've seen this beautiful building. I've never actually been there. It's on the west side of the river. And Coach Jose Fernandez, Brian Gregory will be there speaking. Fans can also hear Michael Kelly. The team, the players are going to be there. So if you want to reserve your ticket or table for the event, you can head to one 800 Go Bulls. If you go to the website, GoUSFBulls.com, there is a link on the story there, right to registration. $50 for an individual ticket. Of course, that includes lunch. $375 for a table for eight. So if you do the math on that, works out to a little bit less than $50 per seat. So if you want to get a group together, that's not a bad way to go. And we'll talk more about it as we get closer to the event, but the direct link to register to get tickets October 20th for the basketball tip-off luncheon. To my knowledge, it's the first time on for sure, since I've been here, that anything like this has happened. So a great opportunity for basketball fans. And yes, a great opportunity tonight to meet head coach Jeff Scott in person for the first time. Now, not the first time that he's made himself available in public, but in the form specifically of the coaches show. The football radio show will be on location. It's been here in the past, but due to COVID reasons, we went away from it. Now, in year three, Coach Scott will be there with Jim Lauk and Joey Johnson at the World of Beer Fowler Avenue. Also, just so you know, the format, Coach Scott speaks for the first two segments. Then it'll be defensive coordinator Bob Shoup, so that'll be around 6.30, followed by Will Jones as the player. So I'll be there. Hopefully you can be too. Bring your green and gold and get ready for the big game this Saturday against the Florida Gators. We'll get there with Jeff Scott in a minute. But speaking of getting ready for big broadcasts, this is great news, and I definitely knew it was coming, you know, when we announced our affiliation with 1025 The Bone as the USF radio partner. That was the first priority because, you know, the season was about to start, but this was coming down the road. And officially on Wednesday, it was announced that the Cox Media Group, which is the ownership group for 1025 The Bone and a bunch of great stations here in the Tampa Bay area, is now the radio partner of the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's right. The Lightning and USF now can be heard on 102.5 The Bone FM. What a great situation. Of course, the signal for The Bone is fantastic. And let's just say that the radio signal 
that the games had been on in the past didn't quite reach as far as the bone. And, of course, there's also going to be much more of a partnership between the actual radio station and the team as far as programming goes on 102.5 The Bone. I know that Mike Calta and Drew Garabo already talk a lot of lightning on their shows, so that's even going to be more. You're going to hear guests ramp up as far as players. And already today, Phil Esposito and Dave Michigan went on the channel with Mike in the morning to make this official. Now, as another part of it, and this will sort of fold in with USF as well, we've told you about you know, the games, the games themselves, USF, and in this case, the Lightning, being on 102.5 FM. However, there will be additional Lightning content on that HD2 channel, 102.5. Now, we are working on a name for this, and that will be the next thing. That's always kind of fun. So if you have any suggestions you want to tweet at me, that's fine. Don't know if it'll end up being the actual name of the channel, but for reasons we can't say, Thunder and Charge are out of the running. My idea is Strike, so if that happens, then it was my idea. But the point is, the 102.5 HD2 channel is going to be very busy. There's going to be, we told you down the road, the USF men's and women's basketball games will be on that HD2 channel. The coaches show tonight will be on the HD2 channel. Now, Bulls Unlimited, if you're worried or if you're concerned, nope. It's not going anywhere. We are going to be 24-7 right here on the TuneIn app. But in addition, our partners with 102.5 The Bone, namely for the football broadcasts over the FM channel and for other broadcasts over the HD2 channel, will work with us. So you're going to get a lot more opportunities to hear lightning programming throughout the course of the day. And something tells me that HD2 channel is going to not just be for game broadcasts. You might get a lot more opportunities to hear Lightning and some USF-related shows on that channel. Stay tuned when we have more on that. But the point is, the new radio home of the Tampa Bay Lightning is the big flamethrower 1025, the bone, real raw radio. Congratulations there. Those games will be on the air in less than a month, so you're going to hear that stuff start to strike pretty quickly. Oh, man, it's just so catchy. I like the strike. Anyway, we love USF and Jeff Scott, as you heard, live on USF Bulls Unlimited, addressing the upcoming challenge for his team. This press conference was a lot less about the previous game and more about the opponent. He jumped right into the concerns that the Florida Gators bring up. You know, seeing how our guys handle the, the crowd noise, uh, this will be our first uh, road game of the year. And uh, I'm expecting it to be uh, loud like it always is there in a, a night game. And so for us to be able to, to operate on offense and uh, with all the, the motions and uh, snap counts and all these type of things uh, is definitely going to be a, a challenge and, and one that uh, you know, we need to be prepared for. The thing about Florida uh, stands out on tape is uh, they're uh, very physical, really, in all three phases of the game. Uh, they, they play very physical. They play hard. Uh, they're very strong at the line of scrimmage on both uh, offense and defense. Um, you know, their offensive line's done a really good job this year and uh, running the ball. And their, their defensive line, in my opinion, is elite. Uh, I believe this will be the best D-line that we played in the, the two and a half years that I've been here, uh, just watching the video. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys, a lot of depth. They've got a bunch of NFL guys, uh, future NFL players over there on their defensive line. So uh, that's something that really stands out. Uh, Coach Napier and his staff have have done a good job, in my opinion, uh, watching the first two games uh, and just how hard their guys are playing and um, not a lot of uh, busted assignments. Guys are, are understand their job and are where they're supposed to be uh, on defense. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's game three. 
early in the year, and this really is a, a really a good measuring stick to kind of find out uh, where we are as a team, how we uh, match up to you know a, a, a top team, uh, super talented, and um, you know our, our message to our players is the same as it was last week. All right, we got to focus on how we play. We can't worry about the opponent. Can't worry about where we're playing. Can't worry about all those things. We got to worry about improving. And uh, I did see it definitely wasn't perfect last week. Still got plenty of things to correct. But I saw a step forward from week one to week two. And uh, we're going to have to take a big step forward from week two to week three, you know, going into to this type of uh, environment versus this type of team. Probably a pretty good situation that it'll be a night game because, well, the Gator fans will be a little bit more riled up, but it won't be quite so sweltering in the swamp. It'll definitely be loud, just incredibly loud. I know that I'm going to talk to Travis Trick, the Bulls offensive coordinator today. I want to ask him some of the loudest environments he's been in because that really does change things as far as your offense and how it operates. And Coach Scott was asked what they've done in practice to try and get ready for that. A couple things. Uh, number one, you've got to change up how you do your snap count. Obviously, you, know, you can't go on a verbal cadence. Uh, but also, uh, we'll go with a lot of crowd noise. We, did, we introduced that today. And uh, we've got some pretty big and loud speakers out there. So uh, our, our guys will, will hear pl- plenty of that uh, this week in practice. And, uh, and then it, a lot of it's, uh, you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, Eye, eye contact with each other and, and sometimes some hand signals and uh, just a little bit different than when you're playing at home. It's really more of a, a um, uh, more of an issue for your offense than it is for the defense. But uh, we definitely introduced a lot of that today and um, you know we'll have to, to continue doing that all week long in practice. You should already, hopefully you do, but follow us at Bulls Unlimited. We let you know when we're going live with certain things and we had this going on for you yesterday. So we won't play a ton of the sound bites, but definitely wanted to throw in some of the things he had to say about his relationship with the other team's head coach, Billy Napier, who ran with Scott at a certain former stop. Actually, I met Billy uh, whenever I was in high school. He was one of the quarterbacks at Furman, and I went on my official visit to Furman. I was being recruited by Furman, and and I I met Billy there for the first time. And then, um, you know, whenever I finished at Clemson and went on and coached high school ball for a few years and was coached at Presbyterian College for my first uh, college season in 2007, you know, Billy was uh, coaching at Clemson. He'd started there as a, a graduate assistant and, and moved up as an assistant coach. My dad was coaching at Clemson at the time, and Billy was the recruiting coordinator. And and then whenever I came to Clemson in 08 as a GA, and uh, you know, Billy was the recruiting coordinator and tight ends coach. And then in the middle of that season is when Coach Sweeney got elevated to head coach, and Billy became the offensive coordinator. And uh, and I moved on full time to receivers coach. So I worked with him full time there. Uh, for those two seasons and you know really I, I learned a lot uh, from Billy as a coach but I probably learned even more about recruiting because he was the recruiting coordinator and then I took over as a recruiting coordinator when he moved up to offensive coordinator so uh, whenever all the coaches went home there were many many late nights that he and I just would sit in the office and and talk about you know things we can do in recruiting and strategy and all these things and uh, the other thing I have a, I have a lot of respect for Billy because you know, after uh, Coach Sweeney's second year there at Clemson, you know, we, we lost to uh, South Florida in the, uh, the bowl game. And, uh, you know, Coach Sweeney had to just kind of change some things up on the offensive staff and, and made a change. And, uh, and I, you know, I kind of watched Billy, uh, you know, as he kind of went back and kind of built back his career and did it in a uh, did it in an incredible way, obviously working at, at Alabama and, and going on and working at Colorado State and then at Arizona State and then at Louisiana 
you know, it's one thing as a coach maybe just to kind of have success and, and move your way all the way to the top. But, you know, Billy, you know, did really well at Clemson then had kind of had to restart and kind of, uh, you know, recreate uh, his path. And uh, I think that says a lot about, you know, his resilience, who he is as a person. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be uh, very successful at Florida uh, because of he's very process-oriented. Uh, he's kept every handout and every note from every meeting that he's been in, you know, since he was a GA at Clemson. I've seen his, his notebooks from Bama. I mean, he has every single thing, and he's meticulous. And uh, so uh, I, I'm not, not surprised uh, to see that he's worked his way up, uh, you know, to one of the best jobs in the country there at Florida, and I think he's going to do a, an outstanding job in his career. A quick anecdote to follow up on that, and then finally one more of Coach Scott on specifically what Napier's team at Florida is shaping up to look like, even though it had the hiccup last week against Kentucky Wildcats. Over five years ago, and uh, he was a senior, and I had a home visit with him, and you know, I'd written down a bunch of things and, and just kind of some points about why Clemson. And then uh, about an hour, I felt really good about it. I left. I felt really good about it. And about an hour and a half later, I got a text message from Billy, and he was at that kid's house, and he was holding up my notes. And Billy's <laughs> like, pretty good. I like this. And there's a lot of things that I learned from Billy along the way. So it's just kind of funny how it kind of becomes a, a small world. You can definitely see a, a team that is uh, – they're playing extremely hard. They believe in what they're doing. You know, fundamentally, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's a backside tight end that's not involved with the play. I mean, he, he's he's doing his job like the, the game depends on it. And, uh, you know, B Billy is a very, um, you know, he's a fundamental coach. He believes in fundamentals and techniques and, and playing hard. Uh, and then offensively, you definitely can see his stamp and the things that he likes to do and, and move guys around. I think that uh, shows up a lot, uh, but you know, overall they look very disciplined to me. Uh, they're playing extremely hard. Uh, you know, I'd say that the biggest thing that stands out right now, um, you know, I, I know I know and have known that they're explosive on offense. They've got a lot of weapons there. Quarterback's a phenomenal athlete and uh, really can can score at any moment. Uh, but really, watching the video after not watching them until getting a chance to this week stands out as their defense, uh, I think, has a chance to be elite. They're really, really good up front. I mean, you're looking at both Utah and Kentucky that had to leave extra guys to help that offensive line and chip those defensive ends. And when they didn't, the quarterback got hit. And uh, so I think that stands out pretty quick. I think they're going to be a, a really, really uh, strong team as, as the year continues. We'll talk more with both coordinators about the challenges that the Florida Gators will present, and you'll hear some of that audio on tomorrow's show. imagine you'll also hear some clips of the football radio show. Another reminder that it starts at 6 o'clock. Might want to get there a little bit early to the World Beer on Fowler Avenue. I anticipate it's the first chance to have a coach's show in person in a while that it could be pretty well attended. I know I'll be hanging out there as well. World Beer on Fowler Avenue, just a little bit west of the campus. Brad Cecil, Jatorian Hansford, who has a couple of wins as a player over the Gators, including one in the Swamp, spoke as well. We'll give you some of those highlights, along with how the men's and women's golf squads did in their first events of the fall. And remember, we end the hour with about a five-minute version of Around the American, as again, the soccer situation on the men's side has just been staggering as far as how talented the conference is. You know, we talk a lot about you know the incoming teams in the American. Well, 
you didn't know, already a few of them have joined on the men's soccer side, and it might be the toughest, or at least it's going to be up there, sport as far as how challenging it is because of the new members of the league. That'll be at the end of the hour. But Bulls Beat continues when we come back. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. The 2022 South Florida football season is here, and USF Bulls Unlimited has you covered. Touchdown, USF! This Saturday, beginning at 5.30, we'll be live from the swamp for our two-hour pregame show. Then at 7.30, we'll kick things off between the Bulls and the Florida Gators. It's football season, and you'll hear every snap on Bulls Unlimited via the TuneIn app. Bulls win! Horns up! For almost two decades, Tampa General has been named one of the nation's best hospitals by U.S. News and World Report. This year in seven specialties, ear, nose, and throat, diabetes and endocrinology, gastroenterology and GI surgery, obstetrics and gynecology, orthopedic surgery, pulmonology and lung surgery, and rehabilitation. Tampa General Hospital. Other hospitals practice medicine. We define it. Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. Former Gator fan Brad Cecil and a guy who's beaten the Gators twice in his prior stop at Missouri, Jatorian Hansford, coming your way in just a few minutes. Wanted to wrap up the first events for both golf teams. First of all, saw some pretty awesome photos posted by Erica Brennan, the women's golf coach. I guess Southwest Air really let them have the whole experience of, you know, jumping in the cockpit, not during the flight itself, but they had a good flight back. And as far as their actual turnout in New Orleans, not bad. We said yesterday that the Bulls were in the running for a fourth place finish. Top three was kind of out of the picture. The Bulls actually ended up in sixth place, just a few shots out of fourth. And again, the gap from third to fourth was 16 strokes. LSU ended up winning it at 32 under par, three rounds. Nebraska finished three behind the Tigers and then Tulsa. Obviously, a very talented American athletic squad ended up just three shots back in third place. And it was a drop-off of 16, again, 26 under down to 10 under for Tulane. Incarnate Word was 9 under par, had the second best final round of 8 under, while the Bulls, who were 1 over in their final round, ended up in that sixth spot. And again, it was a big drop-off of 6 down to the next team. So the Bulls were certainly in the running for a top-five finish and ended up just outside of it. Melanie Green, who was at even par for her first two rounds, had a big day on Tuesday. In fact, a big trio of holes from 14 through 16. She actually started on the fifth hole, and at the near midway point of her round, she had a double bogey, she had a bogey. She, for the tournament, was two over par. Well, she ended up three under because she birdied three straight holes, 14, 15, and 16, and as she was winding down her actual round, she birdied the first and the third hole. So talk about feeling good going into your next event. Also under par yesterday was Juliana Camargo, who was for her first two rounds, again, the first 36 holes were played on Monday, at four over par. She shot a two under 60. Leo Medeiros had a one over par. She was actually in the running for medalist honors, dropped off a little bit, but still finished inside the top 20, tied with Melanie Green at that three under par total. Then the two transfers, the one who won her conference last year, the A-Sun tournament, Alize Vidal, she fell off to a seven under 79, had a nine on the 18th hole, obviously had some issues there, but still a great 
new addition to the team, just had a rough final round. And Lauren Heinlein, who was a transfer from Kansas, she shot five over. So obviously, if one of those two performances is a little bit better, then the Bulls are finishing in the top five and maybe even fourth. But they're right there. You can see what Erica Brennan had to say about it on GoUSFBulls.com. Of course, we want to talk to Coach Brennan and some of the newcomers in person. I've not had a chance to talk to either Alize or Lauren. Lauren is actually from Ocala and spent four years at Kansas University. Coach Brennan of note said this team is the most cohesive group we've ever had the pleasure of coaching and they deeply care about each other. We didn't have the final round that we needed or wanted and that leaves us all wanting more next time out. But she also of great note adds that it was the career best for Leo Medeiros. Imagine we'll speak with her as well. The men's squad unfortunately had a disappointing Tuesday as well. Dropped from top five to tied for 10th at the event in Wisconsin. Texas A&M rolled to the win of the Badger Invitational 20 under par, 11 better than the Badgers who actually went from an even par first round to a nine under yesterday. Illinois State was in third place and again it was right there for the Bulls. They could have, with just a slightly under par round, which was there to be had, a lot of teams did shoot that. For example, look at Nebraska, which finished fourth, was eight under for the day. Purdue, which finished fifth, was nine under for the day. Both those teams just a few strokes ahead of the Bulls, who were three over on their round. Finished just behind the other conference squad, that'd be Cincinnati. No Bull finished under par. Actually, Shuby Joglon had an even par, and that was with an eight, a triple bogey on the sixth. Jake Peacock... Finished tied for 12th overall, 400 par. He was even on his round yesterday. We'll talk to Steve Bradley and, again, try and get some of the newcomers on the show soon. Now, a little bit of Brad Cecil and Jatorian Hands for one key member of both lines for the Bulls. On the offensive side, growing up in the Jacksonville area, yes, Brad admits he loved them Gators, but he's moved on and then gets into what the team has to try and do to combat the noise level in the swamp. Yeah, I was a, I was a Gators fan uh, my whole life. I was a really big Tim Tebow fan. I was... Right about six was when I really started paying attention to college football, and that's kind of when Tim Tebow was at Florida, you know, winning Heisman. So, um, yeah, I was a Florida fan growing up, and it's, um, it is cool getting to play them now, but I'm a Bulls fan now. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a factor, but I don't think it's going to be a determining factor. You know, we've played in loud environments before. We played last year in BYU, which is extremely loud. We played against UCF, extremely loud. Um, and I know that this stadium, will, you know, holds more and, you know, whatever you want to say, they get loud. But, you know, it's something that we prep for. You know, we have um, all, all types of different answers when it comes to snap counts or, you know, how we, how we communicate. And so, you know, I, I think we'll be ready for it. I know we'll be ready for it. Um, so I don't think that the sound will be, or the noise level will be, will cause problems for us. Now, you know, this is Coach Scott's third year. It is great to have the same position coach, and that hasn't been the case at every one of the positions. In fact, it's changed a lot. You know, the coordinators have changed, but the O-line coach hasn't. How important is that, and what kind of coach is Alan Mogridge? I think he deserves some love here, and his center gives it to him. You know, it's just as important as, you know, continuity on the team. You know, having a coach that, that's been there and, you know, has been through it with you, um, you know, that's just as important as anything else, you know, because that's, that's something we talk about all the time. You know, we go, through, we go through hard stuff together. We've been through, you know, tough losses, tough games, tough practices where we're out there. Like, Coach Mo is the most intense coach I've ever had. Like, he, he cramps with us, and it's – it's crazy. Like when we have a tent break, you know, he's over there chugging pickle juice just to coach us harder. And it's like, 
you know, just having him alongside with us, you know, it's, it's not, you know, he's our coach, but he's definitely in the fire with us. And I think that that's extremely important um, for us. And I think that that's been, you know, that's helped us progress the way we have. And that's helped us uh, stick together for as long as we have. It's just him being there and being that, you know, that, that force that, you know, that keeps us together and, you know, just that continuity. More good stuff here from one of the captains on the team, Brad Cecil on, I like the phrase, falling back on your training when you come into issues. And then I asked him, hey, was Demontre Jacobs falling back on his training? I definitely wanted to highlight that big play, in my opinion, that kept the Bulls in possession up seven as opposed to handing it over to Howard. And maybe the game goes in a different direction. So more Brad Cecil here. We worked extremely hard from literally the day the season ended last year. And I think that that brings us confidence. You can't get caught up in the, the stadium lights and, you know, all the fans that are yelling, whatever they're yelling. <laughs> Just falling back on our preparation. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall back to your training. You know, that's something that we're going to have to do is just fall back to our training. And I know that we prepped well enough over the summer and in camp, and we're going to this week of practice. We did it today uh, to take care of business. Here comes Betty in motion. They fake to him. Bohannon hit as he throws. Ball is up in the air, and it's picked off. And then a scramble for it. Let's see if the Bulls were able to knock that ball away or not. Bohannon takes a blindside hit. The ball arcs skyward. And we'll see if it's going to go as an interception or if the Bulls Ruling jarred on the field that loose. It's an incomplete pass. Second down. Might have been Demontre Jacobs that created that contact and prevented the interception. Yeah, it was. Trey's a physical player. And you could tell by that hit, he rocked that kid. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's, it's it kind of it falls back to our training. You know, the play's never over until the whistle blows, and then it's you know get one extra shove if you need to. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just our mentality. You know, that's the way we trained the whole summer was you know always going that extra mile, taking that extra step. You know, getting the extra rep for times like that. You know, when you know there's a you know a missed block or a missed assignment, and someone like Trey just sees the ball up in the air and goes and levels someone and <laughs> keeps us on the field. Now a guy that has not had any issues with the noise in the swamp. Actually, in his first year, he got to see how it's done. That'd be Jatorian Hansford as a 2018 member of the Missouri football team. Even though you'll hear him say he didn't actually play that much in that game, the Tigers did win that game. And then last year, they got the Gators that was up in Missouri. And you'll hear him say the phrase beautiful to describe the crowd. I definitely wanted to follow up. I asked him, well, it's the first time I've heard the crowd in the swamp be called beautiful. Your thoughts. Here's Jatorian Hansford. My experience with the swamp with the Gators, uh, I played them four years. Um, I won two out of the four. I, it's an amazing experience to be to be able to play in the swamp. It's a beautiful crowd. You know, they get a little rowdy at, at times, but you know, it, it's nice. Especially when you beat them, it's even it's even better. I mean, I don't remember much, but I just know we beat them. I was a freshman. I was a young pup, so I, I got a couple snaps in. But we beat them, and I was happy with it. So. And then yeah. what about the, the one last year? Last year was a it was a pretty big game. It was a senior game for me. Uh, uh, I had a. a a game changer sack. So, you know, that was amazing. That was an amazing experience for me. It's something I, I'll never forget, and hopefully I can go back and do it again. Uh, it, like I said, I say it's beautiful because it's like where I come from, there's not too many people that have the opportunity to, do, to be able to do what I do, to be able to play in front of a, a crowd like that. And especially when you win, oh, man, it's, it's great. It's great. Should be a beautiful crowd tonight at World of Beer Fowler Avenue again. If you can't make it, we'll have the football radio show live starting at 6 right here. That's going to wrap it up for Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited.
We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. Well, there was one conference game in football last week, and we're getting to that part in soccer. We'll get there in just a couple of minutes, a five-minute version of the conference show. When we record the Monday version, the Volleyball Weekly Honors are not announced because they get done later in the day. We'll definitely give you an overview of that sport. In fact, it was always notable when McKenna Melville of UCF is not given the honors as far as Player of the Week. It shows you the week that Houston had. And yes, Houston is looking very dangerous, was picked. Now listen, we hinted on Bulls beat of how difficult men's soccer is going to be, already is, because some new teams have come in. And of the three schools that are leaving for the Big 12, only UCF plays men's soccer. Well, volleyball quite honestly, is going to be weakened because the predicted top three schools this year, and right now they're kind of heading in that direction, at least for sure UCF and Houston, are very difficult opponents. And even though Cincinnati doesn't have the overall record right now, their schedule has been brutal. Houston lost its first match of the season to Rice, has not lost since, beat Alabama and Oregon State a couple of weekends back, won a couple of five-setters this last weekend against South Alabama, against Mississippi State, in Starkville, and also swept Kennesaw State. So a phenomenal weekend for Houston. The Cougars look very, very good. And Isabel Toit, T-H-E-U-T, pronounced Toit, who is a grad student, led them with nearly four kills per set. She hit 321, which is phenomenal. Had a career high in kills against South Alabama with 19, and then topped it against Mississippi State with 20. She better win Offensive Player of the Week. Tulsa's libero Marta Pecali won the defensive honors, 70 digs in three matches. And again, starting this Friday, it'll be the last weekend of pre-conference activity. Since you have 11 teams that play volleyball in the American, everyone plays each other home and away for a full 20-match schedule. You actually had a football national honor going to Houston's defensive end, Derek Parrish. Remember we told you on Monday's show about his four-and-a-half sacks? That'll get you the national, Nagurski National Defensive Player of the Week. We wrap up with soccer, and again, this is shaping up to be a scary team. Now, they haven't played the best opponents. None of them have been ranked, for example. But the Charlotte 49ers, who in one poll are ranked 11th, have won now three straight games, five to nothing. That's amazing. And Winthrop is 0-5. Again, they've played each other since 1976. So got to consider the opponent a little bit. But still, the fact that Charlotte has, and they've done it twice now, was one nothing at halftime in a game and then poured on with four goals in the second half. But that wasn't the only good result for the conference on Tuesday night. How about Temple knocking off St. Peter's? Temple was just 1-2-1, and one, took down the Peacocks by a score of 3-1. to one. Now, the team that's picked to finish last in the league actually played pretty darn well against the defending national champions. That's right, Clemson, ranked number one in the country, came to Birmingham, and there was no score in the first half. It ended up being 2 to nothing, and UAB definitely went with the defensive approach. Clemson had 16 shots. Jack Hudson had to make 10 saves. So obviously the Tigers dominated play, but to keep them scoreless for half is pretty good. And to keep a top 25 team scoreless for an entire game is good. Problem for SMU, it couldn't score. But still, the Mustangs themselves are ranked 16th after a 0-0 tie against NC Greensboro. On Friday's Around the American, we will have a recap of night one of conference play. 
USF is at Houston. Of course, we'll wrap that up for you on Bulls Beat. But the other three meetings, East Carolina, which is on a roll right now at SMU, which is the only ranked team in the league. Two teams picked towards the bottom, looking to get off to a good start. Temple at Tulsa. All four games are at 8 o'clock. And then Memphis, the preseason number one team in the league, but one that was below 500 at the beginning due to a tough schedule, will be hosting UCF. We'll also have four volleyball matches to recap. By the way, that red-hot Houston team is going to be playing in Austin, Texas. Why not, right? Get used to those Big 12 opponents. SMU is actually at Texas Tech. UCF is in Kansas playing Omaha at the start of an event. And Tulsa, for that matter, is also playing a very difficult opponent. That'd be Baylor. So it's going to be a busy Friday show. We'll also preview the weekend's football. Thanks for listening to Around the American. I'm Derek Sharp.